Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the PropG podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG Pod wherever you get your podcasts. There are many different paths you can take. But there's only one road to Atlanta. The high drive deep out to left field. He clubbed it. Brady twisting and turning, looking up and giving up. It's a home run for Danby Swanson. Flair out towards shallow right. That's big trouble. Albies going back. He dives and he makes the catch. What a play, Ozzy Albies. Swanson is headed for three. He'll try for an inside the parker. Relay throw comes toward the plate. He'll score standing, and it's his second inside the park home run of the season. This is your weekly podcast dedicated to the Atlanta Braves farm system. Follow the show on Twitter at road, the number two, Atlanta. Now, hit the road with your hosts, Eric Cole, Gaurav Vidak, and Garrett Spain. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Road to Atlanta, a podcast devoted solely to the Braves Farm System and Braves Prospects. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Cole. You may recognize me from my work over on TalkingChop.com, where I've been a part of, the, I guess, the leadership team for the, you know, since 2015. I've been running the the minor league operations since 20, I guess what it was. It was late 2015, early 2016 when I took that over, and then um, I've been the deputy site manager since 2018. Joining me to do a little bit of a mailbag episode, my good buddy. You can follow him on Twitter at gvdeck. The recently verified Twitter user as well, one Gaurav Vidak. Gaurav, how are you, man? I'm doing well, man. Got the uh, Yankees-Braves game on my TV in the background. Just watched uh, Waskar strike out John Carlos. So it's a pretty wonderful past, like, 30 seconds. I still cannot believe that Stanton hit that first ball out, though. He it was like a check swing, and it was like a perfect pitch, and it still somehow got out. It was like, oh, I, that dude's like... I don't know, some sort of genetic freak. It's, there's another, like, it just, he, he like, short-armed the ball, and it was, like, still, like, into the chop house. I don't, I don't understand it, but, you know, he's just, you know, he's just a mutant. That's all there is to it. So this episode's going to be a little bit different from our normal format. We do like to mix these episodes in from time to time. We're going to do a little bit of a shorter episode, and it's going to be a mailbag episode where we kind of run down the questions that you guys have. We're going to share our thoughts on kind of what's been, what the things that are, Topics that are important to you guys. We solicited those questions earlier today on Twitter. Got a lot of really good ones, uh, and we, we are going to run down those questions. I do want to run down a little bit of news. Uh, oddly enough, Garrett and I did our podcast, and we talked about how there weren't a lot of late roster moves in terms of the minor leagues this year. You know, those kind of those last month of the season challenging promotions and things like that as to, you know, like move a guy up just to give him a little bit of taste of the next level. And we hadn't seen that many of them. But as it turns out, we did actually end up seeing some moves like literally the day after we posted that podcast. Uh, so a few things of note. We did see Bryce Elder's debut in AAA. He performed quite well. He, he did get promoted to AAA, uh, taking his place down there in Mississippi. Uh, Nolan Kingham, who had a, a bit of a rough 
start to his time in AAA. He did not have a good time up there. Went back down to AA and pitched a, a great game in his return there. We also saw Victor Vodnik head to the injured list, which we thought might be coming because he had to leave a start where he just seemed like he, looked, he was having some some issues, maybe with the blister or something with his hand. Uh, Dylan Dodd, the third-round pick for the Braves in this past year, made his debut. And William Contreras is making a, what we think is going to be a cameo appearance in the major leagues while Travis Darno celebrates uh, the birth of a new a new child. So, uh Garav, do any of these moves stand out to you as something that were like particularly interesting? One in particular uh certainly got my attention. Well, one it was awesome to see Dodd make his debut, but I think the most uh the craziest one to me was Elder to AAA. He hasn't even been in Mississippi for too long and uh he's already found his way to AAA after being drafted last year. Just a marvelous ascent. And you know, I've been a I've been a fan of his uh, all season because he's throwing all of his pitches for strikes. And when you do that, you move up two different, uh, two different levels, but that's got to be the, by far the, uh, craziest one, uh, for me. Uh, unfortunate about, though. Yeah, I did want, I did, I did wish that Vodnik was, you know, could stay healthy. And that's something that was an issue of me when we were making our prospect list. I just didn't think that he had the body, uh, to make it through a long season as a starter. And like, that's not to say that this injury is because of that. But just kind of a reminder that for him, it's just kind of like he just needs to be able to stay on the field. And we just have not seen him do that as a starter period. And, you know, as a result, we may have overranked him a bit on our list. That might change. And again, these are, these are, these are very fluid things that ends up might changing, uh, with our preseason list this come, uh, this coming up season. You know, obviously we wish that Kingham had done a little bit better in AAA, but Bryce Elder has just been really, really good. He's like, a lock for six innings every time he goes out there. The slider is obviously really good, but you're right. He's throwing all of his pitches for strikes. He's missing more bats than I thought he was going to, and he's certainly missing more bats than he did earlier in the season. It seemed like he was just getting a lot of ground balls, and you wondered a little bit maybe if, you know, as he went up in levels, the guys were going to be hitting him harder. But instead what's happened is, like, guys are just missing his pitches. He's hard to square up. I said these really crazy, like, you know, had these really long outings where it really gets deep into games and didn't seem to be missing a beat up there in Gwinnett either. So again, that, that was the move that really caught my eye. I mean, he started the year at high A and, you know, this is a guy who was just out of the 2020 draft class and starts at high A and pitched well there. You know, he was, he got our attention for sure. He's like, okay, this guy's a, this is the, the guy, the pick in the draft that they maybe spent a little more than slot on. And he's an interesting player and you like to see him performing well at high A, but then he just like mowed through people at Mississippi and then he gets the shot to kind of make a few starts here in Gwinnett down the stretch here. So just really, really happy for him. Glad that they made the move to kind of challenge him a little bit. And I think that Garrett was the guy that mentioned it in our chat was just like, it kind of highlights the fact that they've been really aggressive with pitchers this year. We saw it with, you know, Spencer Strider and we've seen it with, you know, some relievers and they've been moving guys out of Augusta as soon as humanly possible, uh, which I frankly can't blame them because, you know, Augusta is not a, doesn't seem like a particularly fun place to play right now, but they haven't really done so with hitters and they've been really kind of cautious with those guys. I almost like it because I think that they understand that they got to get getting guys really, really comfortable at each level has a lot more valuable at the, at the plate as opposed to pitchers where they kind of need to see kind of just executing their game plans and getting the numbers they need to see versus maybe having to adjust to specific types of competition. So again, really happy to see these moves. Uh, I wonder maybe, and, and Dylan Dodd obviously, you know, wasn't like uh, the, the greatest debut or anything like that, but it was just nice to see him on the field. We got some tape on him. We got some gifts on him. Just something to be able to look and see what kind of what he does. Uh, and you know, just kind of overall, just kind of getting a look at him, even if it wasn't the, the best debut. Again, this is just a guy who had pitched a long college year, hasn't pitched much at all since then. And just, you know, kind of going in there cold, throwing a couple, couple innings, just happy to see him on the field to be sure.
so let's get into the mailbag, Garav, because this is going to be <laughs> – we're starting off with a player that, frankly, I am confident that most of our listeners have never heard of, and I have only a passing familiarity with. Uh, and the first question is thoughts on Brandall Mesquita. He is currently seventh in the in WRC Plus in the, in the FCL. Someone to watch or a tad too old for the league? Uh, I know that we were trying, talking a little bit about him earlier in the chat, but talk, share your thoughts on where you think Mesquita is in your mind, at least right now. Yeah, honestly, I have really no clue. I can't seem to find any footage on him. Uh, I've asked teammates and have heard good things, but, you know, like that's not really a scouting report. Uh, he is, you know, he is 20 in, in the FCL, and he's striking out almost 30% of the time, which is, you know, not necessarily the, the best profile. Uh, I look forward to him. I, I have to imagine he'll find some way. He's playing his way into Augusta, but... I don't know if there's any space on that team, so it might be next year. So for me, check back in here. Yeah, I mean, look, this is a guy that isn't a super high-ranked international prospect to begin with anyway. He was signed at 16 years old, and he was a guy that was, like, signed in November of 2017. So he wasn't even one of those guys that was, like, taken in those first few days of, like, the J2 period opening up. Just one of those guys that was probably signed for very little money uh, and wasn't particularly impressive during his time uh, both in the Gulf Coast League, his first stint in 2019, uh, as well as kind of with his time in the Dominican Summer League either. He you know, is, was okay uh, and always seems to be walking a good bit. That's one thing that does seem – he seems to have a lot of discipline at the plate and is more than happy to try to take some, ba- take some free bases. But he's shown no power this year. Again, strikes out a good bit. It's – he has the body. Don't get me wrong. Like in, in terms of physical attributes, he has all those things. But – you know, talk to me when he gets to full season ball and see what he does there. The numbers, you know, I understand what the WRC plus is, and that's based largely on his walk rate and the fact that he's, you know, he's hitting 300 right now down there, but he hasn't come close to really doing that uh, in his previous two years. So I kind of want to see him what he does against more advanced competition in full season ball, which I imagine will happen next year. Uh, he'll hit low A, which I guess we assume is going to still be Augusta next year, and we'll see how we'll see what happens beyond that because I'm. Again, I'm a little bit skeptical. I'm certainly skeptical of his numbers because the the numbers down in the Florida Coast League this year are really, really bizarre. No one seems to be playing crazy well down there, and the guys who are performing aren't guys that I would go, wow, you know, those are guys who are really prospects or anything like that. So it's just kind of a it's a strange situation down there, especially with the weather and things like that, just like the really inconsistent playing time down there. So the short answer is a little bit too old for the league, and I wouldn't be looking too much into Florida Coast League numbers at all, uh, especially this year, which has been a pretty weird year. Uh, so the next question is, who are the realistic September call-ups? I know that pa- Pache and Waters probably stay down, but any young arms that get a shot in the pen, or are they unwilling to start clocks early given the current uh, current pen performing well-ish? Who are your September call-up guys? Yeah, so it's it's an unfortunately not like a, a hugely different list. You know, Wright, Muller, Webb, you know, those types of arms. I. Uh, they're not going to make a 40-man roster move to call someone up, so that's just that's yep. a lot of arms that we'd be interested in, like a Vodnik or something like that. Uh, if they wanted to make a splash, you know, they could do they could go with you know Indigo because relievers catch fire, and you kind of want to take advantage of that, no matter like how little experience he has. He's got absurd numbers. So he's still striking out 16 per nine up in Double A. Uh, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, right. The only the only thing is his walk rates kind of jumped up to around five at four four point four point nine. So um, you know that's something to monitor. 
but like a zero ERA of 174 FIP, like I could see them maybe making a move for to bring up someone like that to again like catch lightning in a bottle. That's probably the only one that I think would make a splash. Uh, I think you will see some combination of Wright, Kyle, and and Jacob Webb for sure. Yeah, I mean you you look at the you look at the forty man roster. I think you're 100 percent right. I just don't think I don't see them making a 40 man roster move. And again, there's just between that and the guys who are on the injured list, there's just a very limited amount of space. Especially if Tucker comes back, uh, I'm maybe not super excited about the idea of Grant Dayton coming back. But it's you know it's and I'm not even sure he would be eligible. I, I didn't look exactly the day he went on the 60 day, but it's. You know, maybe maybe Roark's a guy. Maybe you bring up Newcomb too. Like those are the kind of the guys that you'd be looking for as guys that could potentially be those sort of September call up types. But we and we've we've kind of mentioned this before. The time of calling up high profile prospects in September is really past us now. We just don't see those guys like the big hot shot prospects being called up and added to the 40 man roster in September. If they call up those guys, they call them up in the middle of the year. They're just like, you know, they'll call, they'll call them up as soon as they can maybe get away with an extra year of service time out of them. But they want those guys up relatively early. You know, again, a guy like Wander Franco was, is a guy that's an example there where you put, he, maybe he wanted to save him as long as humanly possible and then bring him up. But the Rays really ne- needed that extra bat in their lineup and they called him up significantly earlier than that. So I, again, there's just not a guy in the, the, the minors. I mean, sure. You mentioned some guys like Indigo Diaz uh, as a guy that could potentially be a target there, you know, with Vodnik on the IL, it seems like that's not going to happen, but even that seems really skeptical to me just because I don't think Indigo is quite ready yet. You know what I mean? He's playing really, really well. And I imagine he'll, he'll start the season in AAA next year. And after that, we'll see what, we'll see how well he does. But overall, I just don't see those big sort of September call-ups, guys that we haven't seen before. It's going to be the guys that we've seen before or who are already on the 40 man because they don't, they don't have the spots in the outfield right now. Rosario is going to be coming back there, you know, so you can't really have too many guys calling and being called up as September call-ups on the kind of the offensive side of the ball just because there's just not enough space for those guys. And then you have, on the pitching staff, I mean, like, who are you really going to supplant, especially with these guys coming back from the injured list? I just don't, I just don't see those moves being made. I mean, you, you, you get a couple extra spots, but it's not like you get infinite spots, especially with all these guys coming back from injury. Um, so the next is, uh, I know the injury, the organization got Jalen Miller through the Rule 5 draft, but I haven't heard or seen much from him other than a couple, other than a couple of highlights or stat lines throughout the year. Is he just minor league depth at this point? Jalen Miller, what are your thoughts, Mr. Vidak? Yeah, man, I was a fan of the signing just because of the pedigree. You know, he's got really, really loud tools. Uh, unfortunately, his hit tool just hasn't progressed. It's stayed the same throughout his career. Uh, he's got a sub-700 OPS, and he's striking out 28% of the time. Uh, it's It hasn't, you know, it hasn't been there for him this year. You still love it, and I hope to bring him back because there is always that opportunity that something clicks, and all of a sudden he's hitting like 250 and – 250 with his walk rate and his, you know, his power potential. That's a very, that's like a, you know, MLB kind of player, right? Um, but as of right now, it's just not, it's just not there. Hitting closer to 200 than he is to 250. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a pure depth move at this point or probably when it actually happened as well. Yeah. He's, a, he, look, he's a minor league depth piece that has real upside. Because hitting nine home runs in the Southern League is no joke, especially at Mississippi. 
And, you know, he, he seems to contribute on the offensive side of the ball reasonably consistently, particularly when he's getting on base, the clip that he does, he can. But it's just, you know, the hit tool's just not there. You know, again, love, love, he does draw walks. And the, when he gets a hold of one, you know, he doesn't really hit cheapies either. So he's an interesting depth piece and one that you kind of keep in your organization. And as a local guy out of, you know, out of Sandy Springs, it's, you know, maybe he's a, a situation where this was, a minor league organization that he wants to stay a part of for a while because it's close to home and, you know, he can, you know, be close to family and, you know, be a part of an organization that he presumably is very familiar with growing up. So it's, again, it's don't, we always keep an eye on all guys. You know what I mean? Like let, let them, let them change our mind about how they are as players. But right now he's just a guy that doesn't have much of a hit tool, but he still has real upside. There is athleticism there. There is power there, but overall it's just, you know, it's, Right now, it's a fairly uninteresting profile as a guy who can run into them. There, and there's he's a, a very reasonable hitter on that team. There's like three or four good hitters on that team. And then there's Jalen Miller. And then there's some guys who are significantly worse than Jalen Miller. So it's, you know, he's certainly not uninteresting. It's just kind of a guy who, as of right now, I don't see him as like on the fast track to the major leagues. I don't even see him on the fast track to getting the AAA next year. He just seems like a double A player right now and a okay one. And just keep him there, and if he plays his way out of that, we'll see what happens. Because, again, there is some upside there. He's not a guy who's, like, 28 years old, and he's basically done as a professional, just kind of a guy who is just continuing to play minor league baseball because that's just what he does, right? He still has time. He's 24 years old. But overall, I, I would say he's more minor league depth. I'm with Garab on this. But there's upside there for sure. Um, one last question before we go to our first break is that there are several bullpen pieces putting up decent numbers in Gwadet right now. Who might we expect in Atlanta, and whose stats are deceiving? Who 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 are your mirages down there in Gwinnett? Well, it's it's AAA and AAA right now is just completely wonky. So like pitcher stats are all stats, hitter stats and pitcher stats. I don't understand anything. I have no idea what's going on on that entire level. Um, the ones that I I mean really. You have like Sean Newcomb and uh, Jacob Webb. I think Webb's actually on the big league team right now. Uh, they'll, they'll definitely be on there. The only one I can really think that might, that I think is good enough uh, to perform on the major league level is Victor Arano, who was uh, with the Phillies. Uh, he's striking out 12 per nine. He's got a good, he's got a great uh, pitch sequence, uh, mixing. Uh, but the other thing is his control coming from Tom, uh, coming back from Tommy John, right? And his walk rate's up near four. So it's, it's a gamble if you have an arm like that in a, you know, postseason stretch, which is an amazing thing to even think about. Um, those are really the, the options. I know a lot of people, uh, are, have talked about Dylan Lee, who's having, you know, a fantastic year, striking out nine per nine, walking one per nine, ridiculous. 1.67 ERA. Uh, I've watched him a couple of times, and you know, from what I saw, I, I didn't really see anything that would confuse major league hitters. Um, but you know, that could have just been the the couple of innings I've seen him pitched. Um, but certainly, he might be an option if the Braves think highly of him. Uh, for me, though, I just I haven't seen enough out of him personally to to really make that judgment call myself. So Newcomb and Webb and Arano. Uh, those are definitely three names to keep an eye on. I would, uh, if I'm looking for a lefty arm, I almost prefer Dylan Lee over Newcomb, just because every time I see Newcomb pitch, I'm just like cringing and like, please just don't, just don't blow this one, buddy. Okay, just don't do it. But at the same time, like, look, 
Dylan Lee, he's he's 27 years old. He's a former 10th round pick, and he's pitched well as a reliever in the minor leagues up to this point in his in his career. If he hasn't gotten the call up, especially when the Braves were really needing him, at, which would be like earlier in the season where there was like a real need, I wonder if the Braves think that maybe some of what he what the numbers he's putting up are mirages, right? Like again, like I think that the problem too is that once like. Ian comes back from from injury. Maybe if Tucker comes back, then like you have to wonder what you're going to be doing with Tukey. And who do you prefer to have as a bullpen arm right now? Do you prefer Tukey Toussaint? Do you prefer Kyle Muller? Do you prefer guys who are already on the 40 man roster? Do you prefer like adding a adding a Dylan Lee or adding a guy who's not on the 40 man roster and making a 40 man move that way? I just I don't see that happening. I just don't. Now there are guys in that 40 man roster like Yon Lopez is one guy, and you know like those those are moves that can be made there. But the, I just don't see. I just don't see those moves being made is the problem, right? I think that they might the, – the one thing is that they really feel like they need a lefty and they really don't trust Sean Newcomb, which frankly is an understandable position since Sean Newcomb is just not trustworthy in a lot of respects. Then maybe you look at Dylan Lee um, and like, you know, there's – we there are a, a very small but very vocal group of fans that wish that Dylan Lee was getting, was getting a, a spot and I think a lot of those are just kind of folks that just kind of – really watch scout the stat line in a lot of ways. And look, he's looked pretty good. He's just a guy that seems like he knows how to pitch and that's a, a very valuable skill. I'm just not sure if the stuff is necessarily good enough to, again, as Garov said, to, to kind of fool big league hitters in, a, in a, any sort of consistent way. But again, there's guys in, this, in the Braves bullpen right now. I'm looking at you, Josh Tomlin, who aren't fooling anybody right now either. So maybe that if they feel like that there's a need for that, maybe sure. But I just, I think that the problem is that they almost have too many guys right now to find roster spots for as guys get healthy, even with like, you know, expanding rosters or anything like that, that I just don't see, I just don't see it happening. I just don't. Um, so before we go to our next set of questions, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to listen to a word from our sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the arms in the system. Uh, looks like actually a whole bunch of questions about the arms in the system, but we're going to take a quick break first. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Gaurav. Looks like we're gonna be talking about, but based on the look of the the list of the questions, I wish I had kind of scattered these around a little bit. Uh, we're gonna be talking about a whole bunch of pitchers in this next for the second half of the this podcast. Uh, so let's just dive right in here. The next question we have is: Is there any clear plan as to what the arrangement of the young arms, such as Tukey, Enoa, Muller, Davidson, will be? Rotation, pen, trade? Question mark. What are your kind of thoughts on that kind of that quad of players that uh, our our listener answer asked us? I love that I was in the tweet that you sent out that got this because I've been like very clear on Twitter that I have absolutely no idea what the plan is for the Braves. Every time I think they're going to make one of them a reliever, they come back and rehab as a starter and then go six innings. Like I have absolutely no clue what they're doing. Um, you know, I like, uh, Waskar in the bullpen 
more than I do as a starter, but then I watch him and he goes six innings and strikes out like 12 and walks one. And I'm like, okay, what, what really do the hell do I know? Um, you know, when it comes to Davidson, I have no idea where he is on his injury too. He's on the 60 day IL. You have no idea where he is, what kind of rehab is going to come back from there. I'm sure they're going to keep him as a starter, but, uh, and he was actually thriving before the injury too. So I'd love to be able to see that more. Uh, but I think it's pretty clear that he's going to stay a starter. So I assume they're going to keep all these guys as starters. Maybe when Ian Anderson comes back, they send Tukey and, and they have Tukey in the bullpen, which, you know, with his pitch mix, seeing three batters, that's lights out stuff, uh, even like right now. So I, it probably is the right move and I would love to see him in that role because again, I do think he would absolutely puzzle major leagues hitters if he only got to see them, uh, one at bat, uh, an outing. So I have some very specific thoughts about where I think these guys are long-term, and I've been fairly consistent about that. Uh, and I'm like you. They just keep defying my expectations. So, uh, like, for example, I am convinced that Kyle Muller is a starting pitcher, right? I think that he can hold up to that workload. He is going to have to work on his command and keeping control of his body, and he's he's a big-bodied guy, and I know it's hard to do just being consistently in control of your whole delivery when you're that big and that long is a challenge and he looked really good to start. It started to get away from him and he made a couple, I wouldn't even call them bad starts. They just were just like, you know, like very wild starts. And he got sent right down to Gwinnett to work with Mike Marath down there. Uh, and I'm sure that Mike will get him right. But I think that overall, assuming that he's consistently given like in, you know, instruction and coaching and he becomes more and more aware of the things that he needs to do in terms of rebu- repeatability that Mueller is a starter. Davidson's a guy that I don't – when a guy has a forearm strain and he's out this long, I become very concerned that there's an injury issue that is going to be like a couple-year-long thing, right? Like even if they're not getting him surgery right now, which, again, we have no reason to believe that there's a need for surgery or anything like that, he's been out for a long time, and we just haven't heard much about him at all. So what does that mean? Does that mean that you move him to the bullpen to try to manage his innings and manage his arm a little bit? Does that mean that he is actually just fine and he's just going to go back to being a starter? Because I think he has the capacity to be a starter. But I do think that, you know, with with the injury stuff, and there was already some – there was certainly a camp that thought that he was going to have a bullpen arm long-term anyway. And seeing what his fastball could do when he's being able to uncork it at maximum velocity is certainly an interesting proposition because I think it would really play up. But, you know, for right now, I'm kind of passing judgment on what he could be simply because we just don't know enough – about his injury and what he'll look like post-injury to kind of make that determination. Um, you know what? I've been consistent that I thought he was a bullpen arm. I think he's, he has he has two pitches, and the thing that's been crazy about it is that those two pitches, his fastball and his slider, have been so good more often than not this year that that's all he's needed to get major league pitchers out. I still have some skepticism that that is going to be the case long-term. I have zero problems with the Braves, however, giving it a try and look I mean right now he's what he's in the he, he just struck out what is eighth or ninth batter or something against the Yankees well, let me just double check here yeah he just struck out his eighth batter against the Yankees and just in the fifth inning and again he just he throws a fast well I was about to say he only threw fastballs in this at bat but it was against an American League pitcher so I guess I understand why he did that um so I I, I understand why they're trying and I'm 
very supportive of them trying to do it because those two pitches are very, very good. And when he has those two pitches on, he's just not hittable. He's just not. I just wonder long term if he ends up being a reliever. That's just that 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 is kind of where I'm at with him. And I'm pretty consistent about that. Tukey, I think Tukey's a reliever. And you know, the command the command has been kind of all over the place. He when he's a starter, his stuff is just not as sharp as it normally is. I mean, he'll have good starts, don't get me wrong, and when he's spotting that splitter, spotting the curveball, and the fastball gets a little, some movement on it, then he can he can put together good starts, but I don't think he can say his stuff is consistently good enough as a starter versus as a reliever. I think he could really uncork that fastball. I think he can, like, you know, really reach back for another tick on that fastball too, and I just think he would excel there more. Uh, so I do think that that's kind of where I generally think long-term that would happen. But in terms of whether or not they'll be traded or not, I mean, look, there's not going to be room for all these guys, and you kind of factor into that maybe they want to bring in like more established reliever arms, maybe other rotation pieces down the line too. So like, not all these guys are going to be Braves forever. I just don't think that's going to be the case. I don't think that they've established their entire pitching staff already in 2021. I just don't think that's the case. So what does that mean? I don't know. I mean, it just depends on what the deals are to be made, and you know, there there's varying degrees of value here. I mean, if another team values Oscar Inoa as a like a top flight starter. One, that means that maybe the Braves are less likely to move him, period. But it also means that if he's going to be involved in a trade, it's going to be a big trade. And we just have not seen Alex Anthopoulos do that. So, again, that maybe that means that, like, Enoa and Muller and maybe even Davidson aren't even in the question, even in the discussion to be traded at all because those are kind of higher level prospects that they, those, he's just not shown any, uh, I guess any propensity for wanting to trade, period. But maybe that means Tukey is more expendable, especially if you find a team that really thinks he can be a starter. That's just kind of how I feel about it. But again, in terms of like predicting who's going to get traded and what, that's pretty hard just because it kind of depends on the what trade you're talking about. Uh, so next question is, what do you see Jacob Webb's long-term role being? Uh, what are your Jacob Webb thoughts, Rob? Well, his two-pitch mix is is definitely MLB caliber. He's got a great singing fastball, and his slider is, is fantastic when it's when it's on. But for whatever reason, when he's up in Atlanta, he starts to nibble more instead of just like cocking back and throwing, you know, 97 uh, down. <clears throat> That's his just biggest, his biggest problem. Like he, I have nothing but good things to say about him and it does suck watching him come up. And then you saw how he kind of fell apart when he hit, um, when he hit that player uh, in the head. I can't remember who for whatever reason. I can't remember. It was, Pilar. was it Pilar? Yeah. 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 It was, it was Kevin Pilar. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, I think he's an MLB player, uh, but he is also 28 years old. So it's like, all right, he's just got to start showing up now uh, on his next stretch. The next opportunity he gets, he needs to just throw, you know, be consistent and consistently go right after hitters because they're not going to keep you along, you know, in the organization. They're not going to just give you triple A spots if you don't show that you have at least some kind of ability in the major league role. You can't be replaced. So, at this time, it's it's pretty much up to him. He will get another shot, and again, I do believe he is. He should be a good player on a major league roster. Yeah, I that 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 Pilar injury was really brutal. I do think that the, that that maybe in some respects that's still a little bit in his head, and I don't blame him at all. I mean, look, a, a fastball to the head is like potentially lethal. And he was obviously very shaken up by that, and he has every reason to feel that way about it. And, again, it's just like the command hasn't been there. 
really since then. He's had he's having some command issues and some other issues before that, but you you wonder a little bit if that's a factor. And it's just again with relievers is a bit of a volatile stock thing, and maybe if he he doesn't have to figure thing that much more out to be from a pretty good AAA reliever to a good major league reliever. That's just there's not a big st- a big jump for him there. I just you know I I see him as kind of a middle relief guy, your sixth inning guy, your seventh inning guy who can you know can miss bats and. I think that's probably what he is. I don't think he's like a back end star, a back end reliever you put in like the highest of leverage situations, but he's also a guy that when he's right, well, you can generally trust in a lot of game situations. So I, that's kind of what the role I see him in. But again, he's, he's also a guy that just doesn't have all the time in the world to figure out what he's going to be going forward. Maybe, you know, if he's not, you know, pitching well by next year, then maybe the Braves move on and let him move on to a different organization, see if they can figure something out with him. But overall, it's kind of like a middle relief guy, but no, nothing more than that. That's kind of where I'm at with him. Uh, the next question is, uh, about, uh, again, a friend of the show and a guy that we do like the talent a lot, uh, is uh, do you have any updates on Makai Backstrom? Uh, you haven't heard his name all year. Uh, it's a fair question because he has been in the Florida Coast League, which we have not been recapping in our minor league recaps. Just be, there's just no information coming out of there right now, and there's just so it's so often that those games are rained out that we just haven't been including those in our recaps this year. Uh, if you do want to get an update as to what's going on in the Florida Coast League, Matt did have a post go up. It's, or it's either gone up or it's going to go up. I haven't had a chance to look yet about the Florida Coast League uh, and kind of an update on what's going on with those guys. So take a look at that. I'm going to have to look. I'm not sure if that's posted yet or not. But talk to me about your thoughts on Makai. I know that's just something that he's someone that you've been keeping in touch with. What are your kind of thoughts on him as of right now? Yeah, I mean, right now his hit tool just isn't showing up. Uh, he's hitting, you know, 160. And he's got a 74 WRC, sub 600 OPS. Uh, but it's been a weird, it's been a kind of weird season. I've, I've come to notice outside of a couple of players. Most of that roster has like, you know, has OPS, you know, around 600 to like at max, like 700. It's, it's a very weird low hitting team. Um, so I don't know what's going on with that. Uh, he'll probably finish the year in Florida, hopefully show enough to get a shot, an opportunity over Augusta next year. Um, but again, despite being drafted in 2019, he's still only 19 years old, right? He's, you could say he's a case for being a freshman in college. So maybe it is a little overpowering for him right there and he's just going to take longer. He is a project. Uh, and so it will take some time, but this year, again, you're not really expecting too much. You just want him to show, uh, positive signs after that lengthy layoff from from covid from 2020 um but at least he's walking really well you know 17 percent of the time but he is striking out almost 40 percent but again these stats are kind of me- kind of meaningless often people are working on things and uh again the lengthy layoff from 2020 uh i'm not really concerned with this year at all as long as he shows positive attitude really <laughs> So I'm I'm a bit more skeptical, and I, and again when we did our votes on for the rankings, uh, he was a divisive one. Uh, I think Wayne and I were lower on him than uh, the rest of the rest of you guys were. And here's the thing about Makai for me: all the talent in the world. I love the bat speed. I love the strength. Uh, I think I, I love the swing just in general. I think it's a really like it's a swing that's built to just hit balls into orbit. And I I love I love the player. I love the person. I love the work ethic, but 
I do want to see some production out of him before I start jumping on, wow, this is going to be one of the better hitting prospects in the system, right? Um, I think that right now, the best way I know how to describe it is I think that right now he's a guy that probably deserves to be at the back end of a top 30, but with a note that, like, if he figures things out, he can rock it up a list, right? Like, he has all, he has a ton of talent in his bat, but right now he's, he's a first base prospect only as of, as of right now. First base for DH, I guess. And he's a guy that we haven't seen a, an ability to hit professional hitting, hit professional pitching yet. But we love the, we love the raw, we love the raw power, we love the ability, and we think that the, the player itself will develop. So I think that if you're asking what the update is, is that right now he hit, the hit tool has not been there. Striking out a bunch. Beyond that, we just don't know, other than the fact that we love the talent. And so if you're kind of wondering like where he kind of fits into our thought process, for me personally, he is kind of like a, a, a back-end top 30 guy, but you go, that is a guy that you keep an eye on because if he, he, if he could easily go to Augusta next year and be hitting balls into the river because he's just that strong and he could be that good. But it's entirely possible that he also just, you know, can't hit anything. So it's just a... It's a tough, been a tough year for him, uh, with plenty of reasons why. Like that layoff from 2020 was a big deal for a lot of players. That's why a lot of players are struggling down there in low A right now. Low A has been, I mean, if you're thinking, and low A has been bad and in the coast leagues where it's kind of like that, that rookie ball league, it's been worse. And I think that just that layoff has made it really, really hard for guys to come back. Maybe after kind of a, a season and then a normal off season getting back into going into 2022, maybe we see more out of Makai. But for right now, very, very talented player, but for right now, he's just not really hitting all that much. Um, so the next question is, were you guys surprised by the Bryce Elder promotion, and do you expect any similar promotions for Spencer Strider or Indigo Diaz? We've kind of go, gone over this, but I'll just let you share your thoughts real quick, Ruff. Yeah, just to quickly recap, uh, it was definitely well-earned, but it did surprise me just because he has, he wasn't in Mississippi for too long. Uh, Spencer Strider, I don't foresee uh, a uh, promotion uh, he's putting up solid numbers, but you know, or good numbers really. But he's coming on closely to a well. He's obviously had a career eye of innings, and I don't know how much they want to continue to push him coming back from Tommy John and all that. Um, I think Indigo. I don't know how unless the injury happens or they or they decide to to cut somebody, but Indigo probably deserves to be in AAA. Uh, but I could see him staying in double A just because what's like, why would they cut someone this late into a season or yeah. So like, uh, he'll probably stay in Mississippi, but he could definitely find his way to Atlanta as well. Um, I think next year though, they both definitely start in triple A, you know, you're going to have Spencer Bryce Indigo all on that triple A Gwinnett roster, which is, which should be really good and really fun to watch on both sides. Uh, yeah, just kind of want to echo that. You know, was the Bryce Elder promotion surprising in the sense that I wouldn't have? Was that something I bet on happening at the beginning of the season? Absolutely. But he was pitching really, really well in Mississippi, so he earned that promotion to be sure. Uh, as for whether or not Strider and Indigo Diaz, I think there's zero chance that Strider gets promoted to AAA, uh, primarily because I don't see. I, I think that they do want to manage his innings a bit. He, I mean, he was going from a guy who like barely pitched at all for two years to doing what he's doing this year. I think it's probably just a good idea to like let him finish out the season at double A, then give him a look, give him an off season to kind of get rested up, get back into a like a get back into a regular off season program, 
and then go from there. I don't think there's any reason to push it at all. I don't think there's a, a I don't think that there's a great justification for moving him to AAA other than it would be neat. And that's probably not good enough. I don't think he needs those extra starts once AAA is the only league going uh, here before too long. Uh, Indigo is a little bit of a different situation because he's a reliever. Maybe there's a there's merit to putting him on a AAA roster because he continues to play just in case you need a reliever. He's kind of the guy, the reliever you point to and go, maybe that's a guy that the Braves could use in a in a pinch. But I, I'm even that I'm a little bit skeptical about. So you know it's. Well, I say a little bit. I'm quite skeptical about that. So I don't think that the same treatment is going to be given to those two guys. But if it's going to be given, uh, and especially with Strider's kind of struggles with you know with walks, and he's been he's been challenged at Double A to be sure. I still think he's pitching really really well, but he he's not like blowing away the competition at Triple A or Double A or anything like that. Whereas in Indigo's case, especially if like he has a couple appearances where like he gets the command back under control. You could convince me that that's a move that you need to make, but overall, I, I think that those guys both finishing the season at Double A is more than fine, especially con- considering you know where these guys started the season. Uh, so, next question is, which prospects would you like to see challenged with promotion before the end of the season, and what is the likelihood that happens? We kind of just answered that. I'm just going to kind of skip over that. I think that right now the moves that we've seen are the moves that are, we're going to get made. I don't think you know other than the guys that we just talked about. Those are kind of the most likely moves. You know, it's possible that, you know, maybe for like a week or two, they send a guy up to, you know, from high A to double A or something like that. But even, even that seems pretty speculative to me. I want to make sure that Groff has plenty of time to talk about this next one because we had a listener that was very adamant that we make sure we ask, we, uh, we talk about this one. And the question is, should I be, be 10 out of 10 excited about Freddie Tarnock? Seems like his stuff has ticked up since 2019. Is he a long-term starter? Freddie Tarnock is pretty good at throwing baseballs, Gaurav, so preach the gospel. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, he, You should definitely get excited about him. I've watched him quite a few times this year, and he's shown three-plus pitches. His fastball is ridiculous. He can throw it in the high high 90s. It's got great movement. Uh, his curveball, when it's on him, like it's, it's unhittable. It's such a tight, breaking curve. It's... It's fantastic. And then he's shown his changeup a lot more this year, and it's looked at times really good, most of the time good, uh, and so which is huge. And now he looks, he's got a three, a three plus pitch mix. Uh, it, he's holding his velocity throughout the entire game. You know, he'll, he'll, he's so new to pitching, you know, full time pitching that, uh, they'll just have to work in so he can repeat his mechanics all the time. Uh, cut down on some walks, but he's looking like a special, special arm. And, uh, yeah, the Braves did a, for me, I think they did an absolutely wonderful job of, of getting this, of getting this guy. He's got real, real potential. Yeah, I, I do like Freddie Tarnock. I've always loved the raw arm talent, you know, with, especially just coming out of high school, like he was so raw, but you could like see him like break off this like fastball curveball combination where you're just like, wow, this guy could be special if he figures it out. But coming into the season, I was just not convinced that the command was going to be there. He looked really bad for a couple of years in high A to me. This didn't look like he could have, have, have much confidence or command of his stuff at all. And starts the season off, you know, basically rehabbing. So you wondered, you know, what was going on with him. And, you know, this is a guy that didn't need a late start. And all he did was just absolutely shove for Rome. And then he went to double A and he's pitching well there. The thing that's impressed me the most though is that on nights where his command has faltered a bit, He's still figured out a way to put up good starts. I think that the one thing that's the biggest change for him is that he's learned how to pitch without his best stuff. It's the the times that we saw Freddie 
really succeed as a starter previously in the minor leagues or like where the nights where everything was clicking for him and he just let the stuff do the talking. But he is really matured as a player and that even when like, you know, he can't command his fastball and it's just like landing way out of the zone sometimes or like he doesn't have that type, the type break that he is looking for uh, on his breaking ball. He still figures out a way to get guys out. You know, even when he's not striking out a bunch of guys and he's like blowing guys away with, you know, his, you know, the higher end stuff, when he is just having to figure out a way to pitch and scrap through it, he's been able to do that this year. And that's a big deal. That's, that's something that learning how to pitch, especially when you don't have your best stuff is not an easy skill to learn. And again, he's not a finished project, a finished project by any stretch of the imagination. He's a guy that has certainly made a big step for me as a guy who's just, I was just worried he was going to get stuck at high A. And just never really get out of there, which again is something that happens. It's not like a knock or anything like that. It, you know, being a professional baseball player is hard, but it seems like he has made a step. Now, does that mean that he is going to stay that guy forever? I, I'm not sure, but he certainly kind of elevated himself in our eyes as opposed to being a guy who, like, frankly was like in danger of just falling off our prospect list altogether. But we, you know, kept kept hanging around and hoping that he figured things out. It looks like he's figured out something uh, to be sure. So I do think he's a long-term starter. Uh, how far he gets, we'll see. But for right now, I, I definitely see him as a starting pitcher right now, which is more I certainly could have said than before the start of the season. Um, last question before we let one go, Garav, is are there any current potential sort stops in the system other than Braden Shoemake that can have a future home in Atlanta if Dansby leaves via free agency? Well, there's one. You, uh, go ahead, Garav. You, you couldn't even finish that question without laughing. That's pretty much the answer to this question. Uh, no, the Braves don't have a single MLB ready shortstop, uh, in the organization right now. The best candidate would probably be Orlando Arcia, but that's, that's really it. Shoemake isn't ready. Um, and no. I mean, look, uh, Vaughn, Vaughn might be a shortstop. I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical he ends up as a shortstop, but that's a ways away. So if you're talking uh, about like after, a, after next year though, he's not going to be ready by then. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, he's still like three, yeah, I'd say like two, three years away. But if we're to say like right now, I can't think really, really of anybody. I don't even think Shoemaker's is ready. Uh, it'd have to be Orlando Arcia and you, you, you've seen major league pitching, you know, exploit. Uh, his bat, so kind of have to heavily lean on Dansby or uh, going in free agency. Yeah, uh, shortstop, up the middle players just in general as you kind of get down to the lower parts of the minors are certainly a struggle for this organization at the moment. Um, I I just don't have confidence in Braden Shoemake as, at this moment either to kind of be – I don't think he's ready next year. Um Maybe the year after that we could have a conversation if he really hits well, but, you know, it's – yeah, shortstop's a struggle. I think that the 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 idea here is that the Braves need to either extend Dansby or they're going to have to look in the free agency market because there's not, like, a guy, like, hiding somewhere in AAA or AA that isn't a guy that, is already, that isn't already named – there, there's not there's not a guy that's going to move super fast. Again, we love Vaughn Grissom, but I think he's a guy that's going to move at a regular pace. He's not a guy that's going to rocket his way up the AAA next year or anything like that. I don't see that happening. Uh, and that's and that's coming from a guy who really likes Vaughn Grissom. So it's yeah, there's just not there's just not a guy that you have that that confidence in when you're talking about the, the timeline that you're talking about with Dansby potentially leaving him free agency after next year. So yeah, I mean, like it's basically Braden. If you're if you're looking internally, basically Braden, it's basically Braden Shoemake having a good year in 2022, or 
going to free agency or, or, or a trade, because that's pretty much what your options are if, if, if we're assuming that Dansby's leaving. Well, Rob, that's all the time we have. Is there any other – anything else you want to mention to our listeners before we go? No, man. Just uh, I hope you all enjoyed this episode. <laughs> I we appreciate you have coming on the show. I know it's been kind of it was we were having to navigate some tech issues. Always enjoy talking baseball with you. If you want to subscribe to the podcast and make sure you don't miss a single episode, all you have to do is subscribe to the Talking Chop podcast feed on whatever your preferred podcast purveyor is, whether Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, whatever you prefer to use. We are on there. Just go to you. You subscribe to that podcast stream. You get this podcast. You also get the Talking Chop flagship podcast, which is hosted by the great Brad Roland, and occasionally by myself, as, as well as my, myself and Scott Coleman. And you also get the Daily Hammer, which is hosted by Sean Coleman, who's kind of, which is kind of more of a daily update type podcast, which has been doing really, really well as well. We appreciate all the support that the podcasts have been getting in recent weeks. We're in the home stretch of the minor league season, uh, and as we kind of get into that off season period, we're going to kind of see exactly how you know doing the minor league updates is going to go. But we'll keep you posted on kind of what our plans are. And until next time, we'll see you on the road. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the PropG podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.